0: Thank you. good um no no personal no hooking up on the app people um yeah it's awesome everybody has a tech person in your life so if you're trying to get on it and you're having issues give it to your kids if you're a parent they'll figure it out and uh Give it to – always at church. You've, when in doubt, give it to the people in the back of the room. <laughs> They're by a computer or a camera. They must know everything about technology. When in doubt, give it to those, those peeps. Um, thank you, Caitlin. I think it's so awesome that, our, that we have the ability to connect. How often is it you meet someone and you're just like, oh, I didn't get their name, or they seemed really cool. would love to have them over for dinner, and we know this is important because either myself or Caitlin or myself and Caitlin or somebody else gets the, hey, what were those people? I met them today. Um, They were a young couple, you know, and you try to to describe them. Anyways, now you can reach out uh, on your own, which is awesome. Okay, let's uh, open up our Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 11. Excuse me, chapter 10. Yeah, last part of chapter 10. As you're turning there, let me pray for the teaching today. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We want to acknowledge, Lord, maybe we acknowledge in our hearts, but just acknowledge from uh, our mouths um, that you are doing so much in our church family. You are doing so much in our lives. Um. You want to do so much today. We we speak it out that you there is something that you want to do today that would help us to know who you are more. They would help us to have the thing the tools that we need to to walk the path that you have in front of us, even in this next week. There are things that you want to show us about ourselves and you and, and um we believe that. We're expecting that. We're excited for it. So, Lord, as we open up your word right now, uh, we just tell you that we open up our hearts and minds. Please help us to have uh, attention and focus and uh, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Do you guys remember Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? This was the OG Robin Hood. With Costner, didn't have an English accent except for for like a couple of scenes. And then it's like he got tired of it and decided to just be Costner, Robin of Loxley. There's a character in that movie whose name was Duncan. Duncan was Robin's um, uh, butler. He served Robin's father. Robin was a cocky young kid who went off to fight in battles, and when he came back, he was a different person. War had changed him. He just wanted peace in his life. He comes back to his father's home to find that the house had been burned, his father had been murdered, and that Duncan was still living in the broke-down castle, but he had had his uh, his sight taken away because he wouldn't renounce um, the name of the house. And anyways, go watch the movie. It's a good one. So Robin and Duncan take off on an adventure, and there's a line that I love. You know me in my movies. There's a line that I love in this movie where when Robin kind of rekindles with his, you know, the girl he bullied on when they were younger, which is middle school for I like you, there is a scene later on where they're starting to have interest in one another, Robin and Marion, and they're parting ways. Robin's getting into the boat on this foggy morning, and Duncan's already in the boat. Or, uh, and and Marion's getting into the boat, and they're leaving. And Duncan says to Marion, he fancies you, my lady. And he said, I am blind, but there are some things I see. That comes to mind because we're going to look at an encounter of Jesus and a blind man today. A man who has no physical sight, yet saw a lot. This account that we're looking at today, starting in verse 46, is a conclusion of some of the things we've been discussing the past few weeks. Namely, discipleship. These teachings we've talked about giving, leadership, What it is to follow Jesus, the kingdom of God, what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God, making room for the kingdom of God in our own lives. Really, this is Jesus has been talking about what it is to follow him, to be a disciple of Jesus. And and he has something that he's teaching and kind of concludes this section of discipleship. This is the last physical healing in the book of Mark after this. We come into the last week of Jesus's life, the triumphal entry, the passion week when we talked about it on Good Friday and Easter Sunday that we just had. We're we're getting ready to come into that. This is sort of the last healing, last miraculous thing that Jesus does with another person. So picking it up in verse 46, let me read to you guys and gals. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48. And many rebuked him, telling him to be quiet, be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Verse 51. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus. Read two things about Bartimaeus, about the name. Someone said, a couple of commentators said, this was a man of such no, um, so low, kind of in the societal class, so overlooked by society, he didn't even have a name. He was Bartimaeus, which actually means son of Timaeus maybe his father was known but this was Timaeus's offspring this man others would say and I kind of lean a little more like this that this person Bartimaeus although as far as society said he was not much really overlooked I actually wonder and when we get to heaven I guess we'll find out if Timaeus actually was someone who actually became really well-known in the early church, what happened here to him was actually really well-known because when anytime you run across a name, a specific person's name in the gospel accounts, they're there for a reason. And typically, especially when you read Luke, because Luke is like a historian, so when Luke wrote all of these names, and Luke has the most names, the idea was that you could read his writings and then go and ask that person. Hey, did that happen? Yeah, it happened. So when you hear a Bartimaeus, there's a chance that, because Mark's gospel was probably the first of the four gospels written. It was probably um, Peter's eyewitness account because Mark wasn't here. Uh, But Mark was Peter's, Anyways, he was with Peter later on, so he probably wrote Peter's eyewitness account. Peter had a ghostwriter. Let's just put it that way. And um, the Holy Spirit used Peter's life and Mark's life and Mark's teaching to write the Gospel of Mark. But when this would have come up, it would have been Bartimaeus. And there's a good chance you could have found Bartimaeus and been like, tell me about it. This is what we said. And he's like, yeah, it was just like that. That's what, how the Gospels were written. They weren't hundreds of years later where people are like, you can't trust the writings of the New Testament. Actually, there are so many things in there. You trust it because they were eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection. It's pretty rad. So Bartimaeus, perhaps he became well-known in the early church. Now, the, the Bible kind of talks about a couple of types of blindness. We come into this, he was a blind man the Bible talks a lot about this idea of blindness he was physically blind there was something that had happened where light didn't properly pass in through the cornea of his eye to process sight there was a physical impediment there was something (laughs) I think that's the right word for now I didn't prepare that one beforehand (laughs) there was something that was happening to where he couldn't Process light, and had a physical um, issue with his sight. The Bible also equally and probably more so talks about what I'm calling situational blindness. Situational blindness. Someone who, as 1 John says, 1 John 2.11, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes you ever wake up in the middle of the night uh, to use the bathroom or something and you got to find your way in the dark your eyes can be open but you're still feeling your way through that's what it is to be blinded by a situation by the 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 things that are around you. Not having the proper perception, you cannot see what's going on, although your eyes work. We're going to speak to both of those things today because there's a question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus that I don't know if you noticed this in your own personal reading of Mark because I know you guys are all reading Mark, along with the teaching series. But here's the question. Did you notice what Jesus asked him? He said in verse, in the second half of verse 50, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? There's this man with these circumstances of life. He gets this face time with Jesus, and Jesus asked him straight up, what do you want me to do for you? Now, we'll get to his answer, but let's look at, take a moment and look at the question. Because if you back up a few verses in verse 35, we talked about this last week, and I didn't hit this portion of it on purpose because I knew we would today. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him. This was about leadership and stuff. And they said, teacher, we want to ask you something, and we want us to do whatever we ask of you. They had something they wanted to ask him. What did Jesus say to them? If you look at it, it's the exact same thing. What is it that you want me to do for you? He asked his disciples, his followers, those that had been closest to him through his life on his ministry on earth. And then he asked someone who had possibly never, ever even come into contact with him the same question. And the answers are vastly different. His response to the disciples were, well, look at it. Grant us that we can sit at one at your right hand and one at your left hand in glory. Give us positions of power and authority. Jesus' response to them was, you do not know what you're asking. And he explained to them what authority and leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. And then when Bartimaeus says, "Ask him, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Spoiler alert. Well, we already read it, but Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And then Jesus' response is, your faith has made you well. Go in, did he say go in peace? Go your way, your faith has made you well. So there's a response of, I actually need to, you don't understand what you're saying. I need to teach you deeper. And then there's a response of, your faith is great. Your sight is received. Go your way. So what is the difference? James and John's response showed that they their blindness. There were things they did not see clearly, and Bartimaeus's response shows how much he actually saw of the situation. So the message this morning is titled "Faith That Sees." Faith that sees. What we're going to do with the remaining part of our time is we want to look at. And kind of break down this text and look at a couple of things that I believe Bartimaeus saw really clearly. Though his eyes didn't pick it up, there are things that he saw really clearly. Things that he was aware or tuned into. Things he saw all along. First thing he saw. He saw a king. Notice where it says, as they came to Jericho, verse 46, and as Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples a great, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, now this is important, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This address this calling Jesus the son of David and asking, have mercy on me, this is would have been very well known as, we would call it a messianic title. This was a, an address. This wasn't like, yo, could you help a brother out? This was a sign of, this is how you would pay homage to a king. This uh, Jesus son of David was in a way bowing the knee to the king of the universe. When you would come into a city where there was a king higher than you, what you would do is you would present yourself to the king. You would bow or you would uh, take a knee as a sign of you are under this king's authority. You would address the king and then you would state your business. That's what Jesus, the son of David, is. It is a title that you are the son of God the promised Savior that will rule perfectly forever, our people and the whole world, and that's what he's calling out. As a matter of fact, there's a good chance that Bartimaeus was the first and perhaps only individual to use the messianic title for Jesus before what we're going to see in the triumphal entry. You know where in the triumphal entry it says Jesus rolled into Jerusalem and that's where people laid down the palm branches and they saying Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, son of David, save us now. They're saying all this stuff, they're using this messianic title and, and, and scripture tells us that Jesus for the first time allowed himself to be called king. He was received as the king. But a week prior to that, A blind man did it in Jericho, just a couple of towns over, and he did it by himself. He couldn't see Jesus riding in on a donkey. He just heard Jesus of Nazareth, and he calls out this title. What do you see when you see a king? A king has power, a king has rule. A king has authority, and then depending on what type of king this person is, that dictates what type of authority they have, what type of rule they have. But the king of the universe, the king of creation, the one who said light, be, knew all of the particles and everything that needed to make light and then allowed it and spoke it into existence, that's a different level of power. In authority the messiah the one that the jewish people were waiting to come and make things right they knew that the type of power that this king would wield the type of authority that he would have the problem is is they missed it because he didn't exercise their authority in the manner that they thought he should anyone ever had that with god you know what he's capable of But then he doesn't wield the sword like how you kind of think he should in your life. But he has ultimate authority. Bartimaeus knew that. He knew that there was supernatural, available power from this king, and it gave him a strength and faith to cry out all the more. It says, son of David, have mercy on me. And people were like, yo, chill out but there was a sense that he was like do you not know who is walking through our city and he called out all the more so much so that Jesus stopped turned around said who is that knowing the whole time because Jesus is teaching his followers something here and then he called him to come to himself because he wanted the world to see that this man though he was blind saw a lot more than the than the sighted did The second thing Bartimaeus saw, I love this, I think he saw a friend. Look in verse 50. So they called him. Bartimaeus comes up and it says, And throwing aside his garment, so his outer robe, all that he had, he was a beggar, he didn't have a home, he had the clothes on his back. And that was it. But he was so excited. There was something about who Jesus was that he didn't. He exercised perfectly well what it was real hard for some of us to hear maybe a couple of weeks ago when we're talking about having a right relationship with our material wealth. And how Jesus said, how difficult is it for the rich of this world to enter into the kingdom of God? It's really hard. Because a lot of our security and identity and stuff comes from the things that we have, and yet Bartimaeus threw off the only thing he had like that to get to where Jesus was. You don't just do that for a king. You throw aside all that you have to go to someone who wants you. So I think he saw a friend, and so this is what it, and this is how I know. And he came to Jesus, so Jesus answered and said to him. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Now, Jesus, son of David, is a messianic title for a king. It's how you would address a king. The utmost respect, the utmost authority, no messing around. Rabbi, especially this Rabboni, the way this is said, it's only said one other time in the New Testament, Bible Trivia 201, Anybody know who or where this title? I got hands going up. Hit me. That's right. After Jesus physically rose from the dead, the only other time this was used was by Mary Magdalene. Now, we don't have time to go into Mary's backstory, but let me just tell you. It was all sorts of crazy. She had been of which Jesus had cast out seven demons. Now, were there literally seven demons, or is this the biblical term for completion? Seven is like, you know, it's God's number. That's why John Elway had it. No big deal. It's uh, it's the number of completion. So it could be that she literally had seven demons, or it could have been that she was utterly distraught, of which Jesus delivered her. There was, and she followed him, gave her entire life. As a matter of fact, she was the first one at the grave on Easter morning to see, and, and, and when Jesus was rose, she thought it was the gardener, and she was like, just tell me where they took him. And then he calls her name, he's like, Mary. And then she turns around, i that's that's where it's termed. It is it is a term of endearment. It's not a messianic title. It's like... Um, it's so it's such an intimate, my personal friend, my best friend. That's what Rabbanai is. So, Bartimaeus, son of David, he calls him to him. He's like, well, my, "What, what that I might have?" And then he addresses him with this term that is just beautiful. I, I wonder what the people around would. They would have been like, "You don't even know him. We've been walking with him for three years. He's our homie. We knew him first, Bartimaeus." but there was something that Bartimaeus saw. There was something that he perceived. Beautiful. And I think because Bartimaeus saw a king, and I think because Bartimaeus saw a friend, knew who Jesus was, he saw this. I'm calling it an opportunity for overlap. Let me explain. Was this an opportunity for Bartimaeus to talk to a king? Yep. Was this an opportunity for Bartimaeus to talk to a friend? Yes. But more than that, it was a chance for, but more than that, knowing who Jesus is, the kingdom he represents who he is as a friend, how much he loved Bartimaeus. I believe that there is this opportunity for the kingdom of God that Jesus is king over and the love of God, which Jesus shows through his interaction with people. I believe that Bartimaeus saw an opportunity for them to go like this, overlap. Overlap. When we realize part of our prayer, we were just praying it before service, is that every Sunday, regardless of who is here, what's going on, that there would be a realization that there are two simultaneously existing realities. There is a supernatural kingdom of God that is presently, alive and well, active. There is also your personal uh, world, your kingdom, the things that you have to do and take care of. Did anybody feel like this last week? All you you did was take care of responsibilities? So we say in our house, you got to do the stuff you got to do before you get to do the stuff you want to do. Life is just full of stuff you got to do. It seems like, but anytime there is an opportunity for overlap, it's this understanding that maybe the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this earth, that there can be some of this going on. I think that's what Bartimaeus saw, regardless of his sight, regardless of his status, regardless of any of that stuff. He came to Jesus excited because he saw the opportunity for an overlap. I think he saw the reality of his personal life circumstances, yet he equally saw the reality of the kingdom of God in Jesus. And he saw the possibility of crossing over. Seemed like it was excited because he left all that he had to get to Jesus. See, we've talked in detail about the principles and practices about making room in our lives in order that there might be some kingdom of God crossover. Some overlap. You can't fill a vessel that's already full. That's why some of the principles and practices that the Bible teaches us, that Jesus shows us with his life, that he says stuff like, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And then he says to do something that's sort of hard. Don't be tied down in this way. Um, You know, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give to God the things that are God's. Make room in your life for crossover. That's what we've been talking about. Making space, not just to make space, but in order that there could be some filling of that space with something that Jesus might want to do was something that's not of this world, but maybe of the kingdom of God. Bartimaeus saw this, and he was able to express his faith in practice by leaving what he had, going to Jesus, and he was able to articulate his desire in his words. Let's see the way he answers this question. What do you want me to do for you? And then he brings this personal petition, this personal plea. How would you answer that question? So close your eyes, leave them open. Close the eyes of your heart. If Jesus was standing in front of you right now, in this room, there was a crowd around, was walking by, and he looked at you into your life and he asked this question what would you have me do for you do you have an? do you is there something that would come to mind Bartimaeus seems like he knew he answered straight away and on the outset it might have looked like a selfish prayer prayed for himself prayed to receive sight this is actually verses like this are hard for some people because I've known some people that are physically blind. And they, if they would have been asked this question, I promise you that their answer wouldn't have been that they received their sight. Because they saw things in their life that sight, because this is this is a hard thing. There, We could go so deep on this right here. Let me just scratch, let's surf real quick. We'll go boogie boarding instead of, scuba diving on the theological kind of stuff going on here when we see people who have things physically going on with their body especially if you're from a place where you may not have visible physical because let's be honest we all have things going on with our bodies that we wish weren't going on with our bodies because they're broken in some ways even the healthiest ones we all have issues there but we tend to think that Someone's life would be better if they were like you instead. So even when we pray for people and we're navigating life with people, we have this framework in our mind like, oh, their life would be so much better if they could see. But if you don't know that person and there hasn't been crossover with that person, that's what a conversation is. Crossover, talking, listening, learning this person's world, where they're at, how they see things regardless if they're if they're seeing with just eyes or using their other enhanced senses because of it but the world that they live you have this crossover that's why it's so important for the body of Christ as best we can to be together because a body works best when there's when it's working together like that Um, so this is a hard thing to navigate especially when you're praying for people That's why it's such a beautiful way when you're praying for someone is that you could even ask this, how can I pray for you? And oftentimes you'll be surprised at what's going on in someone's life. Uh, Man, there's been some, I've watched some amazing documentaries, had some amazing conversations with people that they wouldn't ask for their one sense to be restored. You know what they asked for? They they would know God more. They would see God. God more, that God would use their life more. Have you ever heard the story of someone that had an accident happen to them? And then they spend years being like, we went and we asked, we prayed for healing and it didn't happen. And then we did this. And then they get years down the road and they say, actually, God did answer our prayers. We didn't see it then, but I wouldn't trade where I'm at now for what I was wanting then because of where they're at. It's hard to see in the moment but what would you answer would it be personal healing for something that's awesome you know what i one thing i pray a lot i pray that god would help me see him better to know him better to walk closer with him to help me to help me in what he has called me to do but so much I find a common theme in my prayers is like God help me to know you more because when I know him more these other things seem to fall into place with my prayer life and with my conversations with other people but that's a good question I just want to throw that out and let it hang in the air and Maybe you don't have an answer, but I think it would be worth thinking about if Jesus said to you, what, do you want, what, what is it that you would have me do for you if you would have an answer there? The way you answer depends on who you think you're asking. Bartimaeus does this. When you're talking to a king, his prayers are general. Have mercy on me, he says to the king. When he's talking to a friend, If you're just talking to a friend and a friend says to you, if a king says to you, what would you like me to do for you? You're like, have mercy on me, O king. If a friend talks to you, is like, hey, what do you want me to do for you? A friend, you're like, "Uh, can you help me move? But what do you do when you talk to the king who is also your friend? That's who Jesus is my friend, the king. We talk to an eternal king who cares like a friend, who has all authority and all power, who cares the utmost for us. And Bartimaeus says, open my eyes. What we have here, if you look deep, is a developing pattern that I want to point out to you guys. Faith and prayer. Faith and prayer. Because the gift of faith, who's ever here said, God, give me more faith. I wish I had more faith. Life hack right here. Faith and prayer go hand in hand. The gift of faith and specific prayers go together. So let's look at this. What is faith? What is it that Bartimaeus was exhibiting in this that we could learn about. Faith, I'll just put it like this. It's the sight of the heart. It's not what your eyes see. They often play tricks on you. It's what your heart sees. That's why Hebrews 11, if you think about it like that, it makes this verse clearer. Faith shows what's really going on. It shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is evidence of the things we cannot see. It is seeing God for who he is and not what he looks like. The problem is we say this. If I had more faith, I'd pray. If I had more faith, then I'd pray. It's actually backwards. Faith comes from opportunities of overlap. Prayer is inviting this, opera, this overlap with God. It's this conversation of talking and listening. Faith comes with prayer. I don't know what that means. More than prayer comes with faith. Faith is a byproduct of connection with God. Connection with God comes in form of communicating with God, talking with God, your friend who is the king. Let's look at this last verse, then we'll be done for the day. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. It's very interesting because Jesus said, go your way. He came from his circumstances and then Jesus sent him. Go your way. Well, what is his way? What if his way was bad? He was going to go do his own thing again. What? You know what? There's a chance. But what did Jesus know? That his response was he was going to go his way and his way was he was going to follow Jesus. Because he did go his way and he began to follow Jesus that day. In conclusion, I like this pattern. I believe that the that the, the work that God is doing it's like more than you can see sometimes we get to see it and we want to give God glory for those things but oftentimes it's something that we experience some other way as we move into our summer nights of prayer the second and fourth mondays of the month i said tuesday at every Thing, every time I was thinking about it, but it's Monday, so tomorrow. This is what we're doing. We're coming in conditions in our own life, that th- and we're, we're saying there are things that we don't see. But we, there, we know who Jesus is. We know who God is. He is the king. Amen? amen. amen. He is a friend of sinners. Can I get an Amen. So as we come into these areas, before we petition, we acknowledge God for who he is. That's what prayer is. Sitting, having a conversation. We acknowledge who he is. And then we come and we we ask him to work in our world. We ask him for petitions on our own behalf, our family's behalf. We pray for people and then we, we go together and we follow more and we come back. And then we start to be like, hey, how's God doing in this area? Oh, he's answering here. Oh, this is hard. And we need to start to develop a pattern of where we're watching God work. We're coming back together. And can I be honest? Could we not use a little bit more of God's supernatural power in our life and in our world? That's my prayer for you, Christian. Christian follower of Jesus is that you would know your access to G- access to God is not based on wealth health social standing it's based on desire and that as you know what God thinks about you that you would invite this this overlap God will you in intervene I I always imagine going down a path and we want to we want to go straight because you want to do a good job but if you're honest you're like this right where you're you're going and you're up and down and then I think about the steadiness and the steadfastness of Jesus and I'm just hoping that I'm like crossing there's overlap oh I'm going in the right direction oh there you are Lord Go your way. I am going my way. I'm trying to be faithful and do these things. And then there's an interaction. And that's my prayer for you, is that there could be more interaction with the kingdom of God in your life. So when you're walking by faith and not by sight, there are things that God is doing where you're like, okay, I'm on the right path. We're going good. All right? All right, let's pray. We'll end with this last song, and then uh, I'll come up and close the service. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for Bartimaeus as he stands in your presence, sees like never before, both physically and spiritually. It says he knows things that now that he never did before. We will know as we are known, we will see the entirety of who you are. Sometimes I feel like doubting Thomas, where I'm like, let me see and then I'll believe. And Jesus, you have that special blessing in there. It says, Thomas, you see because you believe, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. We don't have a blind faith. We actually have faith that sees. So we pray for more crossover in our lives. That you would reveal more of who you are, both as king and as friend. We invite your presence into our lives. We invite your presence your authority to speak into our world. We thank you that you lead this church. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.